enterprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest escapes these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chetham, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. I'm so excited for today's episode with Kim Sunling. You might know Kim. She's been on the show before, and she had a very um, real and raw episode a few episodes back, and uh, she's absolutely fantastic. So if you go into your podcast provider, just type in Rambling Runner Kim Sunling. It will pop right up, no problem. Uh, but in this episode, I wanted to talk to Kim for a couple reasons. First of all, she just completed the Goggins Challenge. That's right. Started by David Goggins, four miles every four hours for 48 hours. And she did this on the heels of just a hard time in her life. So Kim um, deals with depression. She also has lupus. And she's been very open and honest about that uh, on her Instagram and shares a lot um, about what she's dealing with. And not only that, but, you know, the highs and the lows. And she's just overall, even through all of that, a very positive and upbeat and uh just really just an exciting person and a great person to be around, uh, either digitally or in person. And I'm really excited to get her on the show to talk about the highs and lows she's been dealing with and how this weekend went with the Goggins Challenge, because that's a remarkable feat in and of itself. Before we get into that episode or into that conversation, I should say, let's talk about OS First, the compression and socks company that I love more than any other. So if you're looking for compression sleeves, uh, you got the, the, the compression, not the, they have the socks as well, but also the ones that go on your calves. So many people like those. I love the knee brace. Uh, the knee sleeve is, is done wonders for me. And I just love the socks too, man, the socks, man. I love the wellness socks, which are a little bit more cushioned. And then you got the Performance Air socks, which are a little bit thinner. They also have specific socks for plantar fasciitis and bunions as well. So go check them out. They're either at your local retailer, your local independent running shoe retailer near you. That's what they, they love to support that industry. But if you don't have one of those or if your local running shoe, running shoe store doesn't have OS First, and you can just go online to osfirst.com. That's os one st.com and you can order right from them which is obviously a great way of doing it and if you do do that then you can also save some dough and who doesn't want to save a little bit of dough because basically what you have to do is once you go to their website use code rambling to save 15 percent you'll save that on your first purchase so you also would you order the socks you can order like the different sizes so for me i was between a medium and a large and for me going smaller always works better because i can um if i'm between sizes with socks I like to go a little bit smaller so i can really kind of you know really kind of you know pull them on tight uh as opposed to having it a little bit looser uh with some of the upper sizes so that's how i do it go to osfirst.com or your local running shoe retailer today so let's get into it with Kim Sunling. Kim, welcome back to the Rambling Runner podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you tonight. I'm happy to be back. <laughs> this is going to be great. You just did something that a lot of people say, man, if only I could do that, or I might try to do that someday, or something along those lines. You just did the Goggins Challenge, the 4 by 4 by 48. I can't wait to dive into this. You are someone who is not immune to these kinds of excursions. Um, you know, let's just, let's just dive into like from the past perspective, while you've run marathons, you've run a variety of different races, you've run an ultra, you've done different things. What was, what about like these kind of adventures pique your interest? I guess personally, I've always been kind of an extreme person and I like to push myself past kind of what people call like normal and just seeing how exactly far I can push my body um, mentally and physically because there's a point in every marathon especially where you pretty much have to just run all mentally and I feel like these challenges kind of do that but on roids so I've just always been really attracted to pushing myself as much as possible we really with anything like life in general but then also when it comes to like the athletic side of myself I have always enjoyed doing that for whatever reason so have you gotten more enjoyment from doing these endurance challenges more so than 
you know, trying to get like your best time at a specific distance that like that's more on the shorter side? Yes. <laughs> and and I, I think it's because going into it, there's a lot of people that don't think they can, including myself. Like when I first signed up for the Goggins Challenge, I didn't think I would be able to, to do this. Like even the day before, I'm like, I was saying to my husband, why, why the heck did I <laughs> decide to do this uh, challenge? So, uh, but it, it's just more of proving to myself just what I can do. But is that part of it too, right? Like if you thought you could do it, what have you signed up? Probably, probably not. Because uh, I guess I've never really liked short distance races, like 5Ks and 10Ks or things like that. I know a lot of people like them, but I've always needed more. Um, so I think you're right. It's like a proving to myself just how strong I am uh, in doing these challenges. So let's dive into before this, and maybe this, and maybe it still is the, this way, but your favorite race slash races of all time, anyone who follows you on Instagram and you are a captivating presence uh, on that medium, you have a very specific love for a, a series of races. So let's dive into that about what, what, you know, what about, Yes, I'll just say it. What about the dopey challenge is something that that you have loved so much and that we can then extrapolate forward into the Goggins challenge? I think, well, I think what I love so much about it is not a lot of people do it. And, you know, like the marathon's a hard race. Don't get me wrong. The marathon is a brutally hard race, especially my last marathon. (laughs) It's a very hard race. But like, there's another level of like the factor of fatigue in there. So what's with the dopey challenge and then this most recent challenge, it's that you're literally pushing past the fatigue factor uh, because you're not running on a lot of sleep. You're running on fumes. So like it all comes down to your mental strength. And for someone that struggles with mental illness that I'm very open about, it's just like another part of my treatment plan in, in a way, because I have to like, just get stronger and stronger. And these challenges are just a way to prove how strong I am um, in a mental and physical capacity. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. And when it comes to the Dopey Challenge, I know it's for so many people, they look at it and they're like, yeah, but I can never do that. But really, it's like, you know, it's, it's the 5K, the next day is the 10K, then the half marathon, and then the marathon all quite early in the morning down in Disney World. And maybe they have a Disneyland as well. I'm not sure. But, um, and it's funny, when you think about that, it really just comes down to like the last two legs, though. Slash. Exactly. Slash walking around the park, which can be more exhausting than like maybe even <laughs> the first three days. Just because you'll see many people, I would assume, do the dopey challenge and be like, I'm just going to stay in the hotel the rest of the time. No, most people are going down there for, for Disney World. So like the dopey challenge is hard because most people like go to the parks and walk and do all the things and eat all the food. And then you're getting up at the butt crack of dawn, as I like to call it. Well, not even the butt crack of dawn because the sun's not even up. You're getting up at 3 a.m. and running a race starting at 5.30. <laughs> and then you're done before the park's open. So it, it's you're not getting a lot of sleep. Yeah, exactly. So when you were doing that in the past, how did pacing play a part in your strategy at different stages within the challenge? With with pacing, I mean, I always took the 5K and the 10K easy, and then I kind of worked my way up and just basing it on how I felt because I have to remind myself, well, just a reminder to those folks that maybe don't know me, I live in Minnesota, and these races are in January, and in Minnesota, it's typically like negative 50 below zero. <laughs> and so when I go to Florida and it's like 70 degrees, that's an over 100 degree difference. So I just have to pace myself very smartly with the 5K and the 10K because my body is still adjusting. And then by the time I get to the half and the full, if I'm feeling well, I can push the pace a little bit more. But the hardest part is just not going out really hard in the 5 to 10Ks because, you know, if anyone, is a marathon runner, you get done with a 5k and it's like, oh, that's it. <laughs> um, especially at the start of this challenge when it's the, a total of 
six miles, that's nothing in comparison to like the whole picture. So you really have to back off. And I like have to, I think you gave me the philosophy of like listening to slower music or yeah, slower paced music. And that's kind of the strategy I took with um, the Dopey Challenge. There you go. All right. So when you've done the Dopey Challenges in the past, what has typically been the decision, like the, from the, the decision point through the training? So in terms of like how, how far ahead do you have to make the decision and then how much training, not like miles per week, but just like the, the, the length of the training block went into the Dopey Challenge? So with the Dopey Challenge, I, I mean, you can sign up. I think it's in April for the Dopey Challenge. And I'm really lucky in the fact that I keep myself in pretty good shape. Um, and I mix running with strength training, which is what I recommend. Well, I mean, I'm not an expert in that, but everyone should strength train and run, uh, in my opinion. <laughs> and I think most coaches would agree. So I realistically could run this challenge maybe a little bit more easily than, let's say, you know, the Joe Schmo down the street. But I mean, to build yourself up to that, I would say like a beginner, most people start like a year in advance. Um, whereas like for me, the one, the most recent time that I ran it, I was coming off of like two back-to-back marathons. So we took it really easy uh, in that regards and it actually went well. So I think it just really depends on your baseline, like endurance and just how in shape you are. Yeah, I remember before the last one, it was almost like coming off of like a taper period, not a taper period, but like a, a cool down period in your training of like, okay, we're going to chill in December. And we'll certainly like, you know, we're not going to go from like zero miles to Dopey Challenge, but it definitely was more of like a rec- make sure make sure you're recovered for it as opposed to training for it in a way. Um, and I mentioned that because let's talk about the lead up to the Goggins Challenge. So this is not the first year of it. I know it really, and maybe, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I first became aware of it around last year around this time. Um, was that the first year? I don't know if it was the first year, but I didn't do it. I didn't do it last year because I wasn't aware of it. But I like, I think I found out about it maybe like a month ago. <laughs> and I texted you and said I was doing this. So um, I'm not sure if it's the first year or the second year or not. I can't say. All right. So it came across, um, you know, your atmosphere, your, you know, your ecosystem. At that point, I guess, first of all, before we dive into your decision to do it and then, you know, making sure that you're going to be prepared and then certainly talk about the, that 48 hours. I don't think we can even have this conversation without talking about, you know, what, if any role, you know, David Goggins and his story has played in your athletic life. Cause I know that he is inextricably linked to this event that bears his name. Yeah. David Goggins is, He's, I don't even know how to describe him, but for me, he personally is someone that he's, he's a role model to me and just how hard his life and upbringing have been in his book. Can't hurt me. Um, if you haven't read that book, I highly recommend it. I recommend the audible version because there's interviews in there, but he is just one of the most incredible, strong men or man I have ever read about in my entire life and he's just come from so much adversity and like for someone like me that has my own struggles I struggle with lupus mental illness and all of that if he can get past some of the things that he has then I can get past some of the things that I have I mean the man went through Navy SEAL training with broken legs (laughs) that's not a spoiler um it's all over the internet sorry but um (laughs) So he's just been someone that I really look up to and he is always constantly pushing himself and pushing past this like barrier mentally that I feel so many people like they see that wall and then they don't want to push past it where he teaches you how to push past it. And I I just really embrace that and like really love that mentality about David Goggins. He's he's a hero for sure. Yeah, and it's interesting because I know that you are someone who firmly believes in self-care 
and making sure that you're doing right by yourself, not only just just from general perspective, but also the things that you just mentioned in terms of making sure that you're living your best life because you are dealing with certain things that maybe other people aren't. And having self-care, while it's not going to be a panacea for those aspects of your life, it can certainly, you know, help you in in, in many ways. And And certainly the David Goggins story oftentimes is generalized in terms of like, be hard, you can conquer anything. And if you don't, because you're soft, right? And I think yeah. that if you read it, read the book, there's certainly more context in well, more context to it than that. But how do you personally um deal with those that that juxtaposition? Because I know that you are able to embrace both sides. Yeah. And I I mean prior prior to really last year, I wasn't resting that much. Like I wasn't taking recovery seriously. And that's something that I really implemented last year and just kind of backing off on running, you know, five to six days a week. Like now I'm running like four days a week and biking and doing other things. So, I mean, like I am doing other things besides, you know, just running to keep my fitness level up, but just really embracing recovery and eating enough, stretching, like foam rolling, actually doing dynamic workouts or warm-ups and things like that. Like I, I just really started implementing those things and I really think it it's made such a big difference in my running career. And I it, you're right in the fact that he actually does talk about those things in the book because I think he stretches for like two hours a day or something just <laughs> ridiculous or astronomical. He doesn't, do, he doesn't do anything in moderation, including <laughs> no. moderation. Nothing's yes. in moderation. <laughs> yes. So like embracing the fact that as runners, you really do need to recover because you're not going to come back stronger. And I think last year it finally clicked for me that I do need to do those things. Otherwise, I'm just going to be another injured runner, you know. So I've been trying to embrace that, but it's still, it's not easy for me because I am go, 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 push hard, push hard. But then when I do that, then I end up crashing and burning and I don't want to do that anymore. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey, everybody. Do you want to save money on your grocery bill? Well, every plate is 25% cheaper than grocery shopping. Try America's Best Value Meal Kit for planning dinners today. I love every plate for a couple of different reasons. First of all, I just love having things in my kitchen, especially in my refrigerator, that isn't the same old thing that I do every single week. Also, getting things that aren't too adventurous that my kids are definitely going to eat. Obviously, you're never going to beat that a thousand with that. But with every plate, my kids have really enjoyed it. And I like the food as well. And it's just not the same stuff every single week, which can get tiring. So you can choose between 17 recipes that change each week, swap proteins and sides for things that you like. So you can switch up your dinner routine however you want. And that's the key thing. It's however you want. There's so many options, and it's all great stuff, which is also huge. For me, the difference between this and some of the other uh, services in this genre are, first of all, the price. It's absolutely fantastic. We'll get to it in a second. The kinds of meals that are provided, that they're really good but not too adventurous, have also been a huge thing for me. And now I've been using these more often now that groceries have kind of gone up and the price for every plate has pretty much stayed the same. So try every plate today. It's $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code RamblingRunner179. That stands for $1.79 per meal. So get started with every plate, like I said, for $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code RamblingRunner179 today. That's up to $104 value. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I heard other podcasters who were really into performance and athletics, people like Rich Roll and Tim Ferriss, who used it all the time. 
And I thought, hey, man, if they're going to use it, then I should too. And I'm so glad that I did. So what's in the stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, all to help you start your day the right way. The special blend of ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, your recovery, literally all the things. I mean, there's too many things for me to list. I actually have to like take a pause during the sentence, uh, but it's it's legit and I'm so glad that I use it. I use it basically because I know that getting my vitamins and minerals from, from foods is probably the best way to do it, but I usually just don't have the kind of diet and make the kind of food choices that's going to put myself in the optimum position. And that's why I take Athletic Greens to make sure that I have everything I need because I know I'm probably not getting it from foods because I just don't quite have the, the discipline or the food choices that I need. And Athletic Greens is there to help me out. And I'm so glad that they are. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash rambling runner. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash rambling runner to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. Yeah, so let's talk about the interplay, um, especially with you know lupus and depression that you've talked about. You've been very open about, uh, and we, we've talked about it even on this in this podcast before. So uh, if someone hasn't listened to this, you know, your previous episode on here, I certainly would recommend that they do so. But over the past month, not only were you preparing for the Goggins Challenge, but these other parts of your life also did flare up during that time. So what was that like for you, balancing all of those things? Mainly the depression has been really hard these past, well, really since I ran my marathon in September, I've just been really battling depression kind of off and on. And we've been, or by we, I mean, my psychiatrist and I, we've been adjusting my medications and I've gone from like not tolerating medications and then we take the med away and then my depression comes back. And it's really hard because one of the worst parts about my depression is that it takes away my love of running. And running is like one of the things that I look forward to. I love to do. I mean, I do all things running. Like that's my bread and butter is that. And so when when you're trying to train for a challenge, but you don't want to run, it's like this really weird place to be in. Uh, so I just kept telling myself, do what you can, you know, and I kept in good communication, obviously with you, but also like balancing it with the fact that like, if I can't run today, it's okay to take another day off because my health is, you know, necessary. Getting out and running isn't necessarily going to fix all my problems someday, especially if you struggle with depression, it doesn't fix it overnight by any means. There's nothing really like that. So just balancing that um, act of just not trying to feel so guilty about not running <laughs> is is definitely hard. But like now that we've kind of gotten me on a good medication, I feel like that love of running is coming back. But it, it's it's always going to be, you know, have its ups and downs. But that's like a whole other challenge in and of itself. And that's why like this most recent the David Goggins challenge was so like humbling and overwhelming emotionally because I've been battling depression for like the past five months. You know, it's, it's definitely not easy. Did having this big event on the horizon do anything for you uh, in terms of it being like something to look forward to or being like something you could focus on as opposed to just not that training isn't fun, but it can be repetitive in a sense. Yes. Uh, yes. Especially uh, because I did it virtually with a friend. So we were like, you know, excited talking about it. And that's what's so great about the running community is like, you know, you can have some of the best friends that you've never actually met in person. <laughs> you know, that's that's what's so great about social media with running and things like that. So it definitely did did help like spark that desire. And that's been one thing that's been so hard about, you know, this past year in the pandemic is races are canceled. How do you 
how do you keep that motivation? So like when I saw this challenge, it was like, okay, I think this is exactly what I need in my life right now. So it did have having something like on my calendar definitely kind of sparked that like flare again, you know, especially because it was such a hard challenge. <laughs> <laughs> right. You knew you had to be on your game. So let's yeah. talk about the preparation for the day. Okay. So starts Friday. Friday, was it 10 o'clock your time or is it 10 o'clock Eastern did it, or did it not matter? It was 10 o'clock for everybody. Well, so I ended up not doing it at the same time as him. Like he started, I think at 10, 10, no, eight, eight Pacific time. If I Okay. So that's 11 Eastern. Correctly. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I started at 7 p.m. on Friday. So isn't that a false start? Do you get DQ'd for that? No, no. Well, no, no. <laughs> it still counts. <laughs> Maybe who knows? It's still jury still out. <laughs> All right. So you start. So you start at seven, and then it's so. So what are the rules that you have to abide by, and what are things that like in terms of like so? So what are the rules that you have to follow? Let's just start there. So the time really doesn't matter, at least when I was reading on there. But maybe who knows? Uh, but the the rules are you have to do something every four hours. It's ideal to run every four hours, or you can do some type of cardio every four hours for forty five minutes to sixty minutes. Because I think there was at some point Goggins did jumping jacks for sixty minutes straight or something. <laughs> that sounds like so much harder than running. I know. Um, so that was, you know, like the, you could do either or, but I chose to run um, and like jog every four hours. And I think the kicker is, is that the four hours starts at like the start of the hour. So like, it's not when you get done running the four hours start, it's at the top of the hour. So like I was running at seven, 11, then three Right. So it's not like, hey, I finished my run at 7.45. Now I will next start my next run at 11.45. Like, no, you would, you started in three hours and 15 minutes from the last time. So it kind of behooves you to move quickly. But ultimately, what's three minutes going to do from a recovery standpoint, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. So, all right. So you had that. So so those are the constraints. Those are the, That's like the, what you could do. So let's talk about you live in Minnesota still winter. So what, from an environmental perspective, where were you planning on doing this running? Luckily, well, we had a very beautiful weekend this past weekend, but overnight it was definitely cold. And the problem right now in Minnesota is that it's nice during the day and it freezes at night. So it's literally like an ice skating rink in, in at night. And, and I chose to run outside the whole time because I'm that person. And, but, you know, luckily I felt very safe in my neighborhood and I, I did come across a skunk. That was probably the scariest part of the challenge. I thought I was going to get skunked and I don't have like enough tomato juice to, you know, wash off skunk juice or whatever. I think that's what you use. Uh, so I just ran in my neighborhood, but it definitely was cold. It wasn't as cold as you know, it could be like if this was earlier in the year, but it's definitely was like icy and snowy out still. Okay. So did you have to have like a rotation of gloves and hats or were oh, they, yeah. or did they dry up? Um, I, I mean, I, because it's winter here, like nine months out of the year, I have lots of gloves and mittens, but it definitely was rotating them because I'm a very sweaty, salty, yucky sweater. Uh, so I had to rotate clothes. There's no way I was wearing things twice. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I, uh, I'm one of those people like it might end up drying out between runs and like, I probably spent too much time recycling those. So I wonder how people like how they do it. Every so I most probably hear about professional runners who are like, yeah, my doubles are, I don't, I don't change between doubles or like, it's the same running clothes. I um, would stink so much. <laughs> part of me wonders like, well, you're single, so you can do that. True. Professional True. runner. <laughs> yeah, I I I have a husband at home, and I don't think he would want to be around me <laughs> if I didn't shower after I ran. It's so gross. <laughs> All right, so when we when we spoke the week before, we came up with a strategy 
And I'd love to hear like how, how, or if this was even incorporated, because part of this so much is done by feel, right? You go in with a plan, but you've nothing to compare it to. If anyone has something to compare it to, it's you, because you've done the dopey challenge. So you have some things that you can compare and contrast. Um, so what we talked about was basically running three of the four miles and kind of breaking it up in terms of like, say, jog mile and a half, walk half mile, jog a mile and a half, and then walk half mile. Or you could do the reverse. You could start off with a walk and then run a mile and a half then walk half, then run a, run a mile and a half. This way, the feeling, the thinking was this would save your legs, you know, enough to make sure that we, we get through this challenge knowing that we don't, we can't compare. We don't know how this is going to go. But also, it wasn't going to completely change the time. You know, it might put, might add 10 minutes to overall exercise time which, you know, that's not nothing, but you know, that extra 10 minutes of recovery, would that be worth it in terms of saving the legs? So that was what we talked about beforehand. Again, you're doing this outside. Part of you might want to stay warm. How did it end up working out during during race day? Yeah, so I went into it with the full intention of, like, doing that. <laughs> but then once I got started, like, it, it was really cold. It, it got pretty cold. So like walking was really cold. And, uh, with lupus, I get really bad, um, rain odds and rate, like it's when you're, you just blood doesn't go to your hands as well. So your hands can get frostbite really quickly. So when that started, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do this thing. They call jogging or jogging. If you watch <laughs> Anchorman. <laughs> Um, so I, I, I did this more of a jogging kind of slower paced, you know, run. And so I was running at my normal easy pace, which is like eight thirty to nine thirty for, you know, the, the kind of chunk that you talked about. And then I would slow it down to more 10 to 12 minute pace of a run. And I did that the whole time, except for the last two four mile chunks. I oh, we'll talk ran. about those. We'll talk about yeah. those. Cause that was, yeah. that was awesome. <laughs> so that worked really well. And I think honestly, I, I, it worked, it worked well enough that I felt really strong and, and, um, I don't know if everyone could do that, but I think the strategy that we initially had was a great strategy, but just with how cold I was, I just, I went with this instead and it worked out really well for me. That sounds like a great audible. Good call on that. Um, all right, let's talk about food. So you actually posted a little like uh weekend in the life of Kim Sunling after the fact, but what was, so what, what was the food plan? Because not only what did you eat, but the timing of it and how you incorporated that uh, with rest, because that was the other thing, right? You could, if you have to kind of decide certain points, wait, am I resting now or am I eating now? Or am I, by that, I mean, like, obviously you could lay down and eat at the same time, but from a sleep perspective, you know, I don't think you had an IV in the bedroom. So <laughs> how did you make cool. that work? <laughs> well, so I went into this knowing that like, I literally just, I needed to eat like 90% carbs, right? <laughs> like, because realistically, by the time you get done running, it was maybe 40 minutes for me with how fast I was running and then getting sleep, especially at night when you should be sleeping. So before every single run, I ate graham crackers or a bagel um, or a banana. But and, and the reason why I pick those things are just because I know that that's what I tolerate. They're quick supplies of carbs and things like that. But basically, I knew that I'm going to need quick energy and I don't need any complex carbs because I need energy fast. Um, but I would get done with a run and depending on how I would feel, I would sometimes have a protein shake. So I did get protein in there every now and then. But uh before every run, if I could, I would try to eat something. I never went fasted into it just because you're already tired. You're not getting very much sleep um, and you just need that energy. And I think I also, I think I had a total of like 10 or 12 noon tablets as well in there. So like every time I got back, I slammed an electrolyte slurry. Um, and then I would hop in the shower. <laughs> so <laughs> I, but during the day I would stay awake and try to have like one big meal. 
So I would have like eggs and a bagel and some cheese and things like that. But I think total, I think I ate seven or seven or eight bagels. All right. So you end up having a lot of food. There's a lot of graham crackers. Yep. 15 <laughs> right? total. More, gra- more graham crackers than like, a, than like, you know, a campground during s'more season. And yes. I know a lot of bananas as well. Um, so, I mean, good for you for figuring out the nutrition. I can see that being a a huge issue for people. Uh, the other thing too, is just from a a sleep perspective, you know, did you feel like you had enough recovery and sleep? Obviously, if you just told someone, Hey, you need to wake up every three, every three and a half hours, every four hours during the night and just stay awake for 45 minutes, not even exercise, just you're going to be awake now. That would be a lot. After like that 48 hour spin, obviously you're doing much more than that. You are putting in a lot of effort on top of that. So how did you incorporate sleep slash recovery? Yeah. Uh, so sleep was definitely like that. That was the hardest part is <laughs> the fact that you're not sleeping. You're not getting into your deep REM sleep. So, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to recover like you normally would um, getting that eight to to 10 hours. So uh, another, Do you normally get eight to 10 hours of sleep. No, <laughs> I, I normally get maybe six ish if I'm good. Uh, but no, I'm one of those people that doesn't need a lot of sleep. Uh, I'm pretty lucky in that regard, but with, with the recovery, I would say one of the things that helped me out the most, and you know, you were kind of talking about how, about how some people like don't shower after doubles or whatever. And I, I already said, I can't do that. I literally showered after every single run. So I took, I took 12 hot, hot, hot showers. And did you it was keep like, it? Did you keep it to four? Like the four minutes? You should be like four by four by four by 48. I, it probably was pretty close. It may have been even like a little less because I was just like in and out. I just wanted to get my body cooled off because there was no way I was trying to fall asleep after being sweaty. Like I just that that's not I just don't do that. Um, So that was part of my recovery. And then I would try to like lay in bed at night. Typically, like that was when I would try to sleep. And then the one day I did take an afternoon nap, but like realistically, I, I didn't fall asleep. So you would get back, shower, go to bed. By the time you fall asleep, because there's adrenaline going, it, you maybe get like two hours of sleep um, in between. And then you'd be waking up again for your next one <laughs> because, you know, I would wake up to eat. So realistically, I probably got like four to five hours of sleep each night. So let's talk, tell, walk me through, I guess n- not, not excluding the last two legs, walk me through the highest point for you and the lowest point for you. I guess we'll start with the lowest one. If the highest point was the end, then we can talk about that. But like, so what for you, what was, what was the biggest challenging point? The biggest hurdle for you? The lowest point was probably the second night just because that's when the sleep deprivation starts. And so that's you're just Saturday like, night. Yeah. That Saturday okay. night, like why the heck are you doing this? It was the 2 a.m. or the 3 a.m. Sorry, 3, 3 a.m. leg, because by that point, you've already basically not had a night's sleep. You've ran a total of like, I think 36, 30 or I can't remember. You ran quite a few miles. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. And I was tired. I was starting to get kind of like sore and hungry. The The hunger is something that is also challenging because you just can't, you can't get enough food in you. So that was the lowest point. And I almost didn't want to go out for my run because I'm, I'm one, I'm doing this by myself, but it's also like really cold and scary outside because you know, it's 3am in the morning and most people aren't awake. So that was one of the hardest four miles I've ever ran because like I started and my legs just felt like lead. But then after a while, I just kept talking to myself and I eventually got through it. Um, But then as for like the highest point, hold hold on a second, let let, let me pause you right there. You said that you were talking to yourself through it. And that's ultimately what got you got you through that that leg. Yeah. Tell us about, tell us about that. What was the inner monologue? Just, I just kept repeating like everything that I've been through and everything that I've survived um, and that I've 
have done hard things before. Um, one of my biggest mottos is just, you can do this. And I, I talk to myself out loud. <laughs> that, and it sounds so silly to be doing that at 3am out in the morning. But I've done I did that at my last marathon as well. I just kept talking about, you know, you can do this, you can do hard things, you can, you can do this. And I just kept repeating that. And then eventually, if you keep doing that, you'll start believing it. And uh, that's ultimately what kind of got me through it. And that's when my legs just, the the body just kind of took over. Like it's just mind over matter at that point in time. And eventually the body catches up with you. At least that's the case for me. No, that that's great. It sounds like, I'm not going to say what it sounds like. Let me ask you the question. Did, did your low point match, exceed, or kind of fall short of what you thought that low point might end up being during this challenge? It, I would say it matched uh, mainly because it, you just kind of expect that when you're fatigued. <laughs> and, and I've, I've had those moments before really in any race, especially like mile 22 of a marathon. <laughs> um, that, that seems to be the hardest point. And I usually can talk my way through it, but you know, like for this, particular moment it was extra hard and it took like extra work for me to be like you have to do this like you've started you just have to keep doing this so it definitely you know probably could have been worse like you know maybe I just would have been like "Uh, I'm just gonna walk or I'm not gonna finish this leg but I eventually was able to get through that with my mottos and self-talk all right so let's talk about the high point for you well, the high point, as you can probably guess, were the last two miles, or <laughs> uh, the last, sorry, two legs, not two miles. Uh, it, I was just like overwhelmed with how amazing I felt, and my body felt really good, and I ran really fast <laughs> the last two legs, especially the last leg of of it, and it was just like so overwhelming because it was kind of a testament to just like everything that I've been through the last few months just coming to life and like it's it's like all of it is worth it it's worth it to keep fighting because no matter what you're going to get to that high point um because i i have a firm belief if you know things aren't working out it's not it's not the end the end is when you start to have those good feelings and stuff like that so the end of the race i just i just started crying because i'm like i can't believe i did that <laughs> you know i i can't believe i literally did that after everything that I've, I've, I've been through and to finish so strong was just like so overwhelming to, to realize that I could do that after everything. Tell us about how strong you finished. Cause I've seen your splits. So I already know, <laughs> but so, tell the people. So my last leg, I ran like an average of seven thirty minute pace miles with the last mile being, I think it was like six minutes to six thirty. Let's put this in perspective. What's your five K PR? Um, probably about that. <laughs> right. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> now now we know no more tapers for you. We're no gonna, more we're tapers. Gonna, you're, I just you're, need to if go before all a five K you're gonna run a marathon. Hey, I why not? <laughs> you know I would probably want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's so you basically finish running 17 7:15 pace on average for the final 3 miles of the last leg. Yes. That is incredible. And it felt so good. Like I felt like I could have kept doing it. I guess that's maybe the runner's high kicking in, but it it just it was so awesome. I I loved it. I, I and I I really will probably do it again next year, unfortunately. But it was it was one of the most challenging things I think I've ever ever done running wise, just because of the fatigue and all that. But it was also like one of the most powerful challenges I've ever done. Now this wasn't a typical finish line because your finish line is your driveway in this case. Yes. However, what was that finish line feeling like compared to some of your other preeminent finish line feelings? Well, this, this, so like backing up, like in September, I BQ'd for the first time too. Uh, and that, on a trail race. On a, on a trail race. And I didn't know about it. Uh, that's a whole different story. 
but this this honestly felt more empowering because I was by myself and like I literally did it by myself and there was really I mean I know people were watching on Instagram and cheering me on but like to just finish and realize that you can do that by yourself was more powerful than really any any finish line uh that I've had before in my life what have you learned not only through this experience but over years past about limits limitations and what you are capable of doing yeah uh good question i i think limitations are meant to be broken i think those limitations that we put on ourselves are often false and that we should be pushing past those or you know, just not believe them all the time. Because I mean, when I first started out running in 2015, like I would have never thought I could do anything like this. And that was a limit that I put on myself. My, my first thing that I want to do is run a marathon. And after I ran a marathon, I'm like, maybe I can be Q. We'll see. And, you know, I kept limiting myself to just thinking, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. But realistically, like if you believe that you can't do something, you're not going to do it. Right. So if you actually believe in yourself, that limit actually might become a reality, you know? So I think the more you push yourself towards your goals and believe in yourself, those limits are going to go away in, in really any aspect of your life, whether it's running or, you know, your social or work life, those limits are just limits and you can push past them. So you are very open and honest and frank with what you share on social media and especially Instagram. And I know that there are a number of people who, um, who you connect with you about certain topics and who look at you the same way I look at you in terms of what you do is incredible. And it's hard for me to put myself in your shoes and say, I could do that. So when you have conversations with people who not, don't just say that as like a passing comment, but who actually try to engage with you like, I wish I could do what you could do, but I don't think that I can. What are some of the things that you say in response? Well, one of the first things I say is that I don't think I can do these things too. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not a superhuman. I, I'm just a normal person, you know, too. And if if you want to start doing them, the the, the first thing you need to do is you just need to believe in yourself and take that first step. Like instead of looking at the whole picture, you just need to focus on one little thing that you can do. And eventually you're going to get there. Whereas if you just keep focusing on how you can't do it, you're just going to stay stuck. And that's been my whole mentality. My whole life is yes, I have a lot of things on my plate and I could quit and not do these things. But then when I get to be you know, on my, when I'm 80 years old and and hopefully still running. And I look back at my life, I would have so many regrets if I didn't do those things because I limited myself because I have lupus or a mental illness. Like those, those are just part of your story, you know, like use those things to make them make you stronger. Like just because I have these things doesn't mean I can't do these things. So I always just encourage people to stop limiting themselves or, um, you know, just not believe in themselves because they have these things against them. And those are the things that actually can make them stronger in the long run. Like, because I struggle with my, with my depression and things like that, it ultimately makes me a stronger runner because I've had to go through so many things and, you know, use those things to your, your advantage. That's a great way of putting it. Not to say that you would wish this upon yourself, if you could wipe the slate clean, say, yes, I, yes, I, I'm going to go through the buffet of characteristics. And I'm going to choose lupus and depression as two of the things that I want in my life. But it's interesting how you frame it and you do it in an earnest way of like, Hey, there are, there are, I can take positives from these experiences. These are not completely negative things that there are positives here that I can use in other parts of my life. Exactly. Yep. And I, I, I would encourage anyone that struggles with you know, physical or mental disabilities to, to try to turn them into strengths because you, it makes you unique and it makes you who you are. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is there's a lot of people that do struggle with those things that are in the spotlight. They just don't talk about them. 
Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. All right. So you like doing big things. You just did something really big. I know you. I know you're always on the hunt. Yes. Uh, with that said, you also talked that talked about how you did you did BQ last year. So what 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 are some of the things that you have um, either fully fleshed out or just some things that you're thinking about uh, short term, long term? So later this year, I'm signed up for Berlin. If it happens, that's something that I really want to do. And in terms of Berlin, I want to do the world majors eventually. Like that's a goal of mine. Uh, but really the big challenge that I want to do at some point is a 50 miler. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know when that will happen. Uh, if Berlin doesn't happen, maybe it will happen this fall, but um, the running the running love and bug is definitely back. So I'm like back to thinking about those kinds of things. And I'm also doing um, in terms of short term, I'm doing a half marathon in April. I'm doing the Star Wars Disney thing because, you know, I love Star Wars. So I know you had Yoda, you had Yoda ears mm-hmm. in a prior rendition of this. Is there, is there a tire picked out for this time as well? That's, that's to be determined. You know, I might, I might have to pull out a Grogu or something. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what I can, I can whip up before April. <laughs> Cause Grogu is my, you know, true love. He's, he's like, yeah. But in terms of goals, ultra marathon at some point, depending on when, what happens with Berlin. Well, you just ran 48 miles this weekend. True. So we've, we know you can do it. Kim, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Congratulations on your amazing accomplishment. Thank you so much. <laughs> Kim, thank you so much. Also, big shout outs to our sponsors today, Beam, Paper Trails Greeting Company, and of course, OS First. I love all of these things. That's for sure. Especially with Paper Trails Greeting Company. Go check them out. Not only if you're looking for a handy way to show somebody in your running life that you care, but if you're a coach, oh my gosh, there's, this is the best way uh, of retaining your athletes, which is such a good way of you know showing them that you care, getting that coach's bundle, subscribing, doing all that stuff, because Kristen's just putting out so much good stuff every single week. So thank you so much for listening, and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.